This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life. Because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey everyone, I'm here with Jack Jendrasiak. We're uh, <laughs> we're coming live uh, from Grand Rapids, although you're you're in Holland right now, or are you back? No, uh, actually, because of the quarantine, they won't even let us into our room. So I I wasn't even able to move out or see my roommate before he checked out. So oh my in goodness. my uh, bedroom in Grand Rapids. Sweet. So uh, we've known each other for quite a actually quite a while. Uh, I first met you early to 2015 you were a student uh of mine <laughs> yeah one of your first students yeah exactly because you were uh were you the first hour that i had i think right yeah i was because and, i was with maybe uh, homeroom man yeah because I, I had homeroom, you for homeroom yeah. as well yeah that's right so i student taught at your middle school and that's yep. how i got to meet you uh you were an eighth grader at the time and uh, since then, we, we've kept in contact, gotten to uh, have some discussions every once in a while about music. And so here yeah. we are. Yeah. Music has been able to keep us together, you could say. Yeah. That's great. You've always been in Grand Rapids. You were born and raised here. What's it like to be a, a, a Grand Rapidian? <laughs> um, you know, I really like that you use that term. I haven't heard a lot of people use that term, but... um. I think the more so that I'm growing older, the more so I'm coming to like appreciate the city. There's just a lot here. Um, what's funny is, is I have a group of friends that all grew up in South Dakota and, uh, I met them over Xbox and last summer I went out to meet them and, um, but they live in a, in a town called Watertown, South Dakota. And they were telling me that I was going to be flying into the biggest city or either the biggest or the second biggest city in South Dakota called Sioux Falls. And yeah. uh, when the captain was like, we're making our final approach, I looked out the window and all I saw was planes. I was like really let down. And so <laughs> since having that experience, I really, I really enjoy Grand Rapids a whole lot more because we just have a whole lot more of stuff. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a intriguing, but also very uh, vibrant city when it's not under quarantine <laughs> <laughs> for sure it's uniquely sized i would say because it's not like it's not big enough to be notable like detroit but it's not uh small either like totally. I, I can't even think of a, a town that's like not notable but that's kind of what i'm trying to get at so your your story uh with when it came to music when you were growing up that you had this uh kind of unique relationship with your dad when it came to music specifically rock music tell us about that yeah so um kind of both my sister and i's uh, exposure to music in our, in our early ages was my dad would always you know he, he he's a busy guy he has to go around and do stuff and you can't always get a babysitter so my sister and I usually got dragged off to do the errands that he also had to run and uh just 
kind of some of my earliest memories of like listening to music was um, the local rock channels would always be on in his car. He grew up in the seventies. So he kind of got the peak of the eighties and the nineties music. And that was like pretty much the only thing that we listened to from our young age. And I, I can just always picture his really early Ford expedition. It had like gray leather seats, but they were all like dirty because you know, kids are dirty and, uh, <laughs> Uh, that's just that's just how I remember you know growing up and my first exposure to music was really all those rock songs and I, I know so many of them like even if I throw on the same stations ironically here in 2020 they're still playing the same songs over and over again but uh, I, I know I am blessed to say that I am well versed in classic rock in my opinion what are uh, some of the artists or the bands that you're you remember listening to van halen was on a lot there was a lot of that you know as soon as you asked that question they just all went out like i knew you were gonna ask about the artist and i was like (laughs) oh well there goes that i know there's this one song called sweet dreams i i always remember that one yeah oh aerosmith that's right funny enough uh i (laughs) i asked for a guitar hero one year wanting one and my parents bought the guitar hero aerosmith version so i know a lot of the aerosmith versions from that so (laughs) nice and my dad was really into the who as well so yeah know a little bit of that well you you've seen the who right with your dad i did i did uh this was right around the time that i was getting into concerts and my dad was like oh the who is coming to town like you have to go this is like the greatest (laughs) rock band of all time and he was like nerding out and he's like just think someday you're gonna be able to tell your kids you got to see the who (laughs) and i was like oh yeah that's a real big deal (laughs) but yeah i went and it was definitely something to uh something to experience there was like one part well actually they're both British, which was cool. I'm pretty sure they're British. I could sound yeah. like a complete idiot right now, but they're British. One of them, uh, his name's like the lead singer's name is Roger, right? Yeah, I believe so. And then yeah. there's, uh, there's Pete. Yeah, that's right. Pete uh, Townsend and Roger. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I forgot the last name. Anyway, <laughs> like halfway through the show, he like stopped the show and he goes, somebody's smoking and it messes with my voice. So you better stop effing smoking. And he like, <laughs> he like stopped the show and was like super moody about it, which I thought was really funny. But yeah. he, he went off to deliver a pretty, I was impressed by his vocals, even being that old. There's one song where he like screams for a long time. I'm pretty sure it was in like a CSI, like, um, yeah. you know what CSI, I'm talking about? CSI Miami. That's that's right. He did the scream in the concert, and I was really impressed because it was like spot on. <laughs> that's I think it's uh won't get fooled again. Yeah, that would be the one. I that would it, yeah. be the one. Oh my gosh! And there were like old drunk ladies there saying like, "You should play this at your wedding." <laughs> <laughs> what do you think uh, it is about rock music that's so that was so appealing to you as a kid? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Well, first off, it was kind of the only thing that was played in the car. So if you got to like something, you might as well like the only thing you have exposure to. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, later on, kind of um, for a Christmas, I got Guitar Hero 3 Legends of Rock. And 
that game holds a special place in my heart because I could definitely say it's probably one of the first video games that I've played. Um, but it uh, being able to listen to the songs, but then you're also like doing something rhythmic in addition to listening to the songs. Um, it like you kind of connect with it more, and like even yeah. to this day, like I still like go back and play that game because like first off you can interact with the music and then you can also listen to the music at the same time. Like there's probably no way that I would have ever listened to the song one by Metallica if it wasn't for guitar hero three. And now it's like, (laughs) that's definitely a song I come back to all the time. Nice. Do you remember any other songs that you, that stand out to you? Oh boy. Yeah. There's this one song called miss murder uh, by AFI that I really, really like. Um, that's a good one. The classic that everyone thinks of is the first song on the playlist is slow town. Um, there's fear the reaper. <laughs> there's a who song in there. I, I don't know why I can't think of it. There's just, it's just a really good playlist. And I challenge anyone that's listening to this, that thinks they like rock to definitely go and look it up. Like I, I could look it up right now and I could just list hit after hit after hit. Like they're so good. Oh, yeah. there's this one song called my name is Jonas by Weezer. Yeah. I really like playing song. that song. That's a good one. Yeah. Is the music in the game still something you would listen to today? I think definitely. Like if I met someone and was like, Hey, here's a bunch of songs you should check out. I would, I would be a little hesitant at first to listen to it, but it's all of those songs are there. I get, there's like no other way to put it than classic. Like they're just, they have a really good beat to them. The vocals are good. Like when you think of the genre of like rock music, especially kind of like the peak age of rock music, um, there's just so much that they're getting right in the genre that they included in those songs. Like, being it it for the game being guitar hero like obviously there's a lot of like really good guitar solos and whatnot and like it keeps Mm -hmm. it interesting but it's just fundamentally when they were choosing the songs they did a lot of things that the genre very much agrees with like it's just very it's a classic sound and i think it's one that like i haven't really found a um a genre that i don't really like and I think even even if it weren't for Guitar Hero 3, a lot of the songs that I like from Guitar Hero 3, I would still very much enjoy. Okay, interesting. So uh, as you were growing up, like rock music's uh, speaking out, but then you, you come across, you start to play the violin as a sixth grader. Is that right? As a sixth grader. So at uh, my school district, Start Well, up until then, everyone does choir. And then starting in sixth grade, you have the opportunity to use a, uh, or not use, but like to practice an instrument and like be in like an ensemble. So the options when you were in sixth grade were either choir, orchestra, or band, and you got to try out some certain instruments before like choosing, oh, I want to be in band. And this was at the begin- at the end of fifth grade. So like you got to choose your instrument at the end of fifth grade for the beginning of sixth grade. And so um, something I'm never going to forget is my orchestra teacher, um, he showed me how to hold the violin. And so I held it. And then he, um, he was like, 
do the rhythm to Mary Has a Little Lamb, and I kind of bowed it out on the string, and he was able to play the song at the same time. And so it was kind of like a connection of knowing that he can play it, well, that I can play it one day, and I can pick it up that easy, just kind of stood out to me. And so I've been playing the violin ever since, even now as a freshman in college. Yeah. Well, talk about like your your path to present day with the violin what like what what's happened along the way uh right ever since you started uh picking up the the instrument right so um so sixth grade um it's not sixth grade you get a lot of people in like oh yeah i want to do yeah. orchestra and then they they like they don't gel with it at all and actually um i wasn't going to do it in seventh grade uh like i was gonna drop the violin but the orchestra teacher, who in my opinion is kind of uh, intimidating, <laughs> he called me into his office at the end of the year and he goes, so I see you're not doing orchestra next year. And I was like, mm, yep, yep. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just a little intimidated, a little sixth grader. And he goes, well, I think I think you should do it. So I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> and so then I, <laughs> I did it and I just never had a reason to not do it after that. Um, so in seventh and eighth grade, you have like a seventh grade ensemble and an eighth grade ensemble. And I got um, a stand partner who uh, became like a really good friend of mine and he kept doing it. So that was part of the reason that I did it. And so we did seventh and eighth grade orchestra together. And then in ninth grade, all of the freshmen are put into a default orchestra. They don't have to try out. And so, but then when you're a 10th grader, you have the uh, uh, opportunity to audition into a symphony orchestra. But I, I didn't really want to audition because it was just more fun being in the concert orchestra, which was the default one. And my stand partner was also going to stay in it. So he stayed in until 10th grade, and then he dropped the violin, which was kind of sad. But I, I kind of wanted to do it because I got in the habit of, Every single day, you know, I have one hour that I don't have to worry about homework or anything. I can just just gel out and play the violin, you know, play some mad orchestra jams. <laughs> In 11th grade, I got a freshman stand partner, and she was pretty good. Her and I had a lot of the same energy that my previous stand partner did, and we were pretty good friends. And so she was going into the symphony orchestra and I was like, well, I don't want to risk it again on another freshman stand partner. So I went into the symphony orchestra um, and I, I played through that full year. Two pieces that really stand out to me are Jupiter. It's one of the songs from uh, Holst's The Planets. It's, it's really, really good. Cool. It sounds like a space exploration piece. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. Honestly, I'll never forget playing that piece. And then we also played the Carnival of the Animals, which is, I think it's famous. I don't know. My elementary school teachers always cracked it up like everyone knew what it was, but nobody really knows what it is. (laughs) So we played that, which were both fairly technical, challenging pieces, but we pulled them off and it sounded really good. Oh, and then um, also in my senior year, the choir director was retiring. So he had always wished like his kind of like bucket list thing as a choir director was to play Beethoven's ninth symphony. Um, oh, wow. And so, yeah, right. Which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and so our orchestra director's kind of retirement gift to him is he got all of us to play Beethoven's ninth symphony. So we had the full symphonic ensemble, but then also the choir has this one concert where in the district, there's three high schools 
and all of the high schools come together to sing one piece. So as Craig York's final hurrah at, at Forest Hills for choir, he got the full symphony ensemble with like a hundred vocalists, probably like 300 vocalists on stage to perform Beethoven's ninth symphony. And he said, I'll never forget. Like we finished it the first time and he puts the baton down and he goes, wow. I hope someday you guys get to experience that much power that you wave this little stick and 300 people do what you want them to do. <laughs> Which, I, to his credit, he was a great choir director, but he was also very humorous. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was my senior year of orchestra, and I didn't think that I was going to play. I, I knew I didn't really think I was good enough to play in college at all, but so I didn't sign up for it my... Uh, like my first semester of my freshman year but after kind of like a tumultuous first semester I decided like I kind of wanted to you know center myself a little bit and I did a little reflecting and I was like you know what I kind of miss orchestra a lot so I signed up for orchestra for my second semester of my freshman year and uh, I've been doing that and I've really enjoyed it Um, I know I'm definitely I don't really feel like I'm good enough to like be there. Like I, I feel like I'm the worst. Inst- I'm, I'm the worst person in the room to be playing, but still I'm having a great time with it. Like Tuesdays and Thursdays for two hours, we had rehearsals until the quarantine. And now we have to play by ourselves and send in recordings, but it's, uh, That's it's so still weird to me, to, but I'm sure you got to do something if you're a professor. So well, right, because the class is for a credit. Yeah, it's even though it's only one credit, like he's really making us work for it. Which, as a musician, it for me at least, like playing in an ensemble and playing with an orchestra is a whole different art than like playing by yourself. And so I was fortunate enough that I can get my section leader to record our section that we're supposed to play. So it sounds like I'm playing with her, like I have her in my ear, and then I also play the play the song at the same time so it doesn't sound like i'm playing alone but really i'm playing alone so okay. but even cooler is uh the plan is is that we're gonna get all of the orchestra's uh things together and they're gonna post it on hope colleges like their website because we were supposed to have a, a spring concert but we obviously can't do that so they're we're gonna have a piece re- like recorded and everyone can listen to it on youtube and watch us play mendelssohn's second movement if you get bored uh here in quarantine go go check it out yeah, <laughs> so that'd be cool it's really uh uh unique to be able to do something like that given the, the circumstances of what's going on right now oh for sure i totally agree i i don't think a lot of ensembles are doing it but our professor uh dr fashion is really outgoing and advantageous we were supposed to be doing we were doing like an outreach program where there was this lady who wrote a song called, or no, she, she wrote a book, but then she wrote a symphonic accompaniment to the book because that's what you do when you're a children's writer, apparently. And so we were going to play along as she read the book to a bunch of elementary kids. And I thought that would have been really cool, but we didn't get to do that. So Hmm. yeah. What do you see yourself, uh, you know, in the future with uh, the violin? It's pretty uncertain. Uh, I thought for sure after I was done my senior year that I was done with the violin. I thought 
I was going to put it down and that was, that was going to be the historic end to my violin journey. But, um, it's something that I really enjoy and like, I wish I was a lot better at it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like being a student athlete and being an engineering student, even, um, I just don't have the time to go around and dedicate myself to the practicing that I need to do to be at the level that all those musicians are at. Like I'm definitely good enough to play in an ensemble. Like, like I can blend in with the crowd a little bit. Um, but I don't think I'm good enough to, to like do anything solo at all. And I would say almost every musician in there to their credit could definitely play a really good solo and like they would blow people away. I, I am blown away by the level of talent of all the musicians I've met while being in the Hope College Orchestra. Is there any, any music that you were actively listening to back in middle school? Was it something from your peers or family uh, that you can remember? So, as, so we kind of talked about like my violin influence kind of in my younger years, but I never really listened to like classical music or anything. So I wasn't really into that all that much. And I, I didn't really like kind of up until like sixth grade, I wasn't really invested in music at all. Uh, I just, you know, like everyone else, I just kind of threw it on to listen to, to kind of like block the noise, kind of like how you listen to music in your car or whatnot. Um, but for me, kind of the first time that I got really exposed to music that I was personally invested in was uh, I was in a, a group and we did Odyssey of the Mind, which probably no one knows about. But it, it basically, it was a bunch of kids that would get together and do a project in a basement over a bunch of months. And being in, a, in that group, um, I was subjected to the music that the other people in the group liked to listen to. And it just so happened that I liked listening to that music as well. I kind of developed a taste for it over the time. At first, I thought it was awful, but <laughs> it kind of grew on me. But that, that group that got it all started was 21 Pilots. And one of the first memories I've had of even hearing their name was I was kind of into dubstep a little bit, like not really at all. I just thought like the it, the noise was cool. So the drop, the drop I, were, yeah, were yeah, it was just something you didn't hear very often, and you know you can jump around to it and look like an idiot. So <laughs> <laughs> we were driving to where we were going to do the practice, and one of the people in my group goes. Oh, 21 Pilots is coming to town. I was like, oh, that's cool. Are they a dubstep group? (laughs) (laughs) They are definitely not a dubstep group at all. But uh, yeah, um, I wish I had seen them. But yeah, uh, 21 Pilots was definitely the first group that I really got into. And I definitely owe that to being an Odyssey in the Mind. Is this like uh, pre-Blurry Face or after? post it is pretty blurry face okay. um, so vessel for anyone yeah it was in vessel and it was pretty early into vessel too i would say okay. um it was like probably like sixth grade so if i was in eighth grade and that was 2015 it was probably like 2013 and i believe vessel came out in 2012 yeah. but we always like practiced throughout the winter and stuff so it, it was probably like pretty soon after they released Vessel. So, 
but I wasn't really that much of a fan then. Like, I definitely wouldn't have called myself a 21 Pilots fan back then. Um, but now I'm a, I'm a mega fan. Like, Blurry Face really did it for me. Yeah. Well, before we get to that, you mentioned that you didn't, you didn't like them. What, uh, what's up with that? Well, if you just kind of listen to, like, their... Like, a song in particular that you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it is Ode to Sleep. It's really different. Going from listening to, like, rock and, like, stuff that normal people listen to, like, anything that you could access on the radio, to going to that is really, really different. And I think it's kind of in human nature to, like, be opposed to something you don't know. Um, And so, like, at first I was like, this some of this sucks. Like this isn't very good at all because it just wasn't conventional. It wasn't the same. Um, a lot of people, when they talk about 21 pilots music, one of the things they bring up is that nobody can really put them in a genre. Nobody can really say, Oh, they are this genre. Like I think lovingly the, the fans have kind of said that they are uh, schizoid pop, like schizophrenic <laughs> pop. <laughs> which is it's a pretty weird label but nobody really knows who they like what their sound is and it's very different like if you listen to vessel ode to sleep is very different because you have what sounds like two very different songs with like the same kind of themes in them um, one of them sounds like really dark and menacing and the other one kind of sounds more upbeat and happy uh, and the song like lyrics are pretty ambiguous, so you don't really... You kind of get the idea after you've listened to it like a bajillion times like I have, but at first, when you listen to it, if you've never heard it before, you're going to think, wow, this is really weird. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, for me, when I first heard them, I, I, I had a similar reaction, and I think it may be because there's this element of alternative and rock in the sound, yet in the, especially in like the verses, you have a more of a hip hop in terms of going with the music. And so it's a very, I don't know, jarring kind of a transition. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then it goes maybe more typical pop or, or rock in, in a chorus. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So it's like spoken word a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, and I know for me, it was a little, uh, bizarre <laughs> to, to to get into. It took some time, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, the first song that like I heard was "House of Gold," which is yeah. a cute little ukulele right, um, yeah. serenade. That one's pretty easy to swallow. But the second one that I listened to, like immediately after that, was "Car Radio." Same, and that one is not so really different. <laughs> yeah, that's more of their sound. Yeah, like, oh yeah, I would definitely, I would say it's uh, it's a lot more like their song, like, but it's it's a spoken word poem that's also done with like a drum electronica beat, which like, if you haven't heard the song, you're like, that sounds stupid. Why would I ever listen to that? But you know, you kind of it grows on you. You don't like it at first, but it grows on you. And I'm kind of finding that's the way 21 Pilots is. Like, that's definitely the way it was for Trench. I I didn't... My expectations were different from what I got in the album. And I didn't really... I wasn't jamming with it at first. Yeah. But I... It grew on me. And now I like a lot of the songs on it. 
Yeah. Like some are instant hits. And to me, the reason why they blew up is because a lot of the songs on blurry face are like, I instantly like this. I don't need to grow with this. I instantly like this, but a lot of their like fan favorite songs are the ones that you kind of, they grow on you. Yeah. No, totally. After vessel, you know, they did get some notoriety within the alternative world. But Blurry Face, songs like Stressed Out and Ride, I mean, they just, they were huge. They exploded. I think Stressed Out is like seven times platinum. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's over a billion streams on uh, Spotify. Um, oh, for sure. Just in- incredible uh, to think like something like that could happen for what 21 Pilots was with Vessel. Why do you think it was about that made it blow up? Why were they so popular from that album? Well, for one, I would say that their their style is is clever. Like if you look in the lyrics of um, "Stressed Out," like the first stanza, he's like singing about things. Well, he's not even singing; he's kind of like talking, and you can understand what he's saying. Unlike like the mumble rappers of the time, like you can't understand what they're saying, but it sounds cool. Whereas what he's saying is cool because you relate to it and you can understand what he's saying. Like the lyrics are, I wish I found some better sounds. No one's ever heard. I wish I had a better voice that sang some better words. I wish I found some chords in an order that is new. I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the, at the end of the stanza there, I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang that doesn't rhyme with anything, which is just a really clever thing. Yeah. And then the rest of the song talks about something that like almost everyone can relate to um, in that, like it's tough growing up. Like you always kind of wish that you could go back to the good old days and kind of like growing up, like being an adult is being like super stressed out. And so I think that the catchiness of the song the cleverness of the song and the relatability of the song are what ultimately led it to being like a huge blow up song for them. Okay. I mean, what, what do you think? Like what, what in your mind as someone who's not like a mega fan makes that song stand out? Well, I I don't know. I, I was in, I was in Ireland when it blew up. Oh, wow. So when I came back, that was, I remember stressed out was on the radio a ton and, it, and I don't know. It just wasn't like that over in Ireland. But I think you, I think you bring up some really good points about the, how the lyrics are relatable. In my opinion, for like a radio hit, you gotta pander to the adults a little bit. The people mm-hmm. that really aren't there to listen to the music. And uh, another one of the like lyrics that like pops out is, Sometimes a certain smell will take me back to when I was young. How come I'm never able to identify where it's coming from? I'd make a candle out of it if I ever found it, try to sell it, never sell out of it. I'd probably only sell one. Like universally, I think everyone can think of one smell that takes them back to a memory, you know? And I think everyone has that and he's, he's talking about it and everyone can relate to it. So if the song can make your head nod and think, wow, I think that too. Like, I think that's a pretty solid formula for a blow up song. And then on the other side, 
if you can make a song that has just an insane beat, instrumental, and vocals, a song akin to, like, Mr. Brightside, that song's just going to blow up forever. <laughs> like, I don't think it's left the UK charts, which is insane. No. It hasn't. You're right. You gotta kind of gel with the music industry a little bit. And a, a big thing that I really like about 21 Pilots is they're not conventional. They like to do like kind of like what we talked about, like a spoken word song that has piano and drums, and that's it. Like nobody really thinks of that. But there's another song that like directly addresses the music industry called Lane Boy, where like the chorus is like they stay they say stay in your lane boy, lane boy, but mm-hmm. we go where we want to. They think this thing is a highway, highway, but will they be alive tomorrow? Like kinda it they they like to challenge the music industry. And I would I think Billie Eilish is a like really good example of like challenging the music industry because she's not associated with a label she hasn't been like groomed to be like the huge pop star that she is but her sound is in my opinion really unique and it's Mm -hmm. something that people like a lot and a lot of people are talking about like um superstars being like genre fluid now like they don't really stay in one box like kind of like you look at taylor swift she was country that was her box and then she broke out of her box and now now she's a huge pop artist and so i think people really like that i think people like the variety unlike the trends that you had seen for the years before what is it about uh 21 pilots for you specifically though that you resonate with the thing for me that really was like not the nail in my coffin, but it was like the thing that really got me interested was in 2015, I went to probably the first, no, I think it was like the third night. Yeah, it was like the within the first five shows of the Emotional Roadshow Tour, which was like their first big tour. And um, going to there, I pretty much went alone. I, I had a friend that I invited, but he... I as we were walking to the line, uh, I was like, so are you a big fan of 21 pilots? And he goes, yeah, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of 21 pilots. And I goes, Oh, what, what are your favorite songs? And he goes, uh, uh, stressed out, uh, ride, I think. <laughs> and I was like, well, you paid for your ticket. So anyway, I went to the concert alone and I genuinely enjoyed every single minute of it. And it was like something inside me was just, overwhelmingly happy without needing a reason to be like just kind of connecting with the artist and the, the show that they were putting on. Like in my opinion, when I rank all of the concerts that I've been to the grand Rapids show of 21 pilots, when I saw them for the first time will always be like either number one or number two, just because like I really connected with it. And it was like a reminder of like, I'm, connected to something that's so much bigger than myself and there are so many other people who also relate to this like it was just a really it connected me to their music and like seeing how absolutely personal they were with it was something that i wasn't really used to because big companies like just throw out a lot of stuff that a lot of people can't really relate to um like pretty much 
every single Disney Channel show when I grew up always had like a love plot in it. And I was like, wow, that's not really something I can relate to. It's interesting, I guess. But, you know, all of them had that. But with 21 Pilots, when I, when I watched their show and there were certain lyrics that stood out to me and they meant something to me and seeing that live and seeing other people also connected to that was just a really eye-opening experience that I really, really loved. Um, one of one of a unique thing to 21 Pilots is um, at the end of their show, they do this thing called a trees speech. Now, the last song that they end every single show with, starting back all the way from like when that song was conceptualized, they end every single concert with the same song. And before they play that song, the lead singer kind of plays the chords to the song, mm-hmm. but he doesn't start the song. And he just kind of directly addresses the audience and he just talks. And the trees speech that he did was important because it showed the artist's vulnerability, in my opinion, like in a, in a room full of 10,000 people in Grand Rapids, which is not where he's from he told them how much this show means to him. And then he also explained like the origins of the band, which for most people, they're not going to think that that's like real important or anything, but (laughs) it's, it's funny because in every interview, pretty much like they, the interviewers always ask, you know, how'd you guys meet? Like, how'd you guys come up with a band? And the more interviews you watch, you catch on to the joke, but they come up with a different, story every single time because the interviewer doesn't really care they're they're just asking it but in the tree speech in grand rapids he gave like legitimate this is how we met and it it was kind of like being let in on something like it was like a sense of belonging that like 21 pilots kind of sparked within me um that i really really enjoyed and it, it spread to pretty much everyone that i've taken to a 21 pilots concert like First off, to anyone listening, if you haven't been to a 21 Pilots concert and you've only heard like two of their songs, go to their shows. They're incredible. Like a lot of people that I, almost everyone that has seen a 21 Pilots show, I've never heard someone say they had a bad experience with it. So I'll just leave that where it is. Yeah, I know I need to see them. So they're, they're incredible. Yeah. I, I was lucky enough um, that another band that I'm really into now or like artist that I'm really into now was opening for 21 pilots in Chicago. And that's John Bellion. And I'm really glad that I got to see him live. And, but I didn't even realize it, how good he was at the time, mm-hmm. but he, he obviously blew up with the song all time low. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good one, but he, he's a good artist as well. Yeah. He kind of hinted towards it. Just maybe wanted to, get some more out of it from you. Why are concerts so, so much fun for you to go to? Right. So, um, for me, you know, as a person, like we might have a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in our life. And one of 21 pilots big messages is like, you can, when you're at the concert, you can let go. Like he wants you to use the music to get from point a 
to point B and like rely on that music. And 21 Pilots music for me has always been something that I can come back to and it's always going to be there and it's always consistent. Whereas like a lot of things in our life are inconsistent and we can't always rely on them. And that's like a big thing that like stresses people out. But going to the show and like hearing the songs and the things that I've relied on and the things that I have a connection to, and then seeing that like a bunch of other people are also connected to that same thing. Just kind of, it makes me feel happiness in, in the utter like raw sense of the word without being attached to something unreliable, I guess, which like, it's a, it's a big thing to, you know, find that, find the thing that like makes you happy without it, it it requiring something else, you know, like a lot of life is like give and take, but being able to have that thing that just, it's your thing, you know, and like going to a 21 pilots concert, I guess is my thing. And it was one of my first things. And it just, it always makes me feel happy without needing anything else, you know? Yeah, totally. What are you currently listening to? I, I've just, I have like a ton of songs downloaded on my phone that I, I've been listening to. Um, like, you know, definitely 21 Pilots for sure. Right. Panic at the Disco, re-listening to some of their old stuff. Well, not really their old stuff. Um, kind of like Death of a Bachelor up until now. Um, and then Paramore and Fall Out Boy and John Bellion are kind of all of the artists that I really really like to get to as well as AJR AJR is definitely a band that I will give a plug for a hundred times out of a hundred times. Everyone should go look them up. They're doing some really cool stuff. I can say that for sure. You, you saw them live, right? I did. I did. I was fortunate enough um, because I've always like, with the example of 21 pilots, I was like, dang, it would have been so cool if I could go to their concerts when there was only like 20 people there. But guess i missed that train but ajr in my opinion is like another 21 pilots like band where they're gonna blow up but right now they're kind of small um i got to see them when they were at the delta plex here um and that's because they sold out their first um venue the venue the venue was probably like i don't know less than a thousand people cap and then they moved to uh, a venue that could have more than a thousand people and seeing their show and once again like being able to connect with the songs that mean so much to me seeing other people connect with that and seeing the way they present it to you and the way that they're also connecting to it being the artists i think that's really it's it's big it, it definitely attracts fans and i think it hooks them on forever in my yeah man why why do we listen to music why is it important i think a lot of people listen to music for a lot of different reasons like some people like dr fashion do it for a living like he's always listening to music that he can perform with the ensemble and the accompaniment whereas you look at just some random guy in the car right now listening to i don't know the same six songs that's on the radio uh, i think music it, everyone uses it for something different, but I, but it, in my opinion, I think music plays a really important role in a lot of people's lives. I think one um, being feeling connected to something. Humans are like really social uh, beings, 
and feeling connected to something is something is really powerful. And I think music can do that. Like, like we kind of touched on. Um, but I also feel like people use music to kind of fill the space and fill the noise because, uh, it, it, if left unchecked, you know, sometimes your mind can wander to some places that you don't want to be as is the subject matter for the song car radio where he literally gets his car radio stolen. And now he doesn't like thinking all the time because there's only silence in his car. So a lot of people use music to just fill the silence, but I think music is like a universal thing that connects people and brings people together, which is really important. Well, man, thanks for doing this. Uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's uh, definitely a testament to see the power of the internet at work. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, thanks again. Uh, glad to, we had this convo. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, let me know when you're going on another concert. I will. Absolutely. I'll keep you, I'll keep you involved. All right. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichting. Each person interviewed has created a playlist to the very songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm, click on Soundtrack Playlist, and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at at Soundtrack Podcast, or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack. Soundtrack.